Hi, Jacob's Well Online Community. My name is Doug Fields, and I'm from Southern California. I'm thrilled to be here. I can almost feel my fingers, and I am so excited to be here this weekend to talk about uh, marriage in this series. We're part three called Family. It's complicated, and whether you're married or single, you're going to get something out of it. I hope you enjoy. Boy, after hearing that introduction, I want to listen to myself speak. That was, that was good. Good morning to you. Good morning to those of you who are in the theater opening weekend. This is a big deal here at Jacob's Well. I've been here for a day. I did a parenting thing yesterday and then spoke last night. And I already love this church. It's going to be one of my favorites, I know, and partly because of the the leadership. You know you have world-class leaders at this church. Do you know that? And that all flows down from your pastor. Paul is amazing, and he's developed an amazing team. And so I evaluate churches based on the leaders, and I evaluate churches based on how often they clap during worship. And uh, I just have to let you know that I love your church because there is no clapping songs because there are some of us in the world that you may not know this, but uh, some of us cannot clap and sing at the same time. We have a rare disease called rhythmic impairment. And uh, just curious, anybody in here, you cannot clap and sing at the same time. Raise your hand, be known. Look around, there's a few of us in here. We are the minority. See, the rest of you, you don't even know that this disease exists. Like you march into church, you're happy to worship. When they start clapping, you have no problem. The rest of us, we have to decide. Do I clap or do I sing because I can't do both? And it's just like... And, you know, we throw in everybody off, and it's painful while we just watch other people worship. No, we're stressed out about that. So I love it that you don't, you don't clap. But, uh, you know, some of you have rhythm, and it works really, really well. Those of us that don't, we don't even dance. Because uh, when you try to dance, you know, people think we're having a seizure. And uh, it's just, it, it's difficult for you. Well, as we continue this series called Family, It's Complicated, Rhythm is important in family too. That when it comes to marriage and relationships, some of you, you're in a rhythm. You've got it figured out. You've got it going on. But really, you're the minority. The majority of us, when it comes to marriage and primary relationships, um, you know, we're, we're kind of off a beat or two. It isn't always so, so simple. And that's why this series is called It's Complicated. And, you know, I've listened to the first two messages of the series, and, and Paul is an amazing speaker, and you're so, so blessed at how practical and helpful he is as he, as he talked about, you know, what, what's in your box and what's been put in your box. And then uh, when he talked about the sandwich generation, which I thought it was a whole different message until I started watching it, and then I wasn't as hungry, uh, but uh, I do know how to care for the elderly now. So anyway, um, you know, the, the, with marriage... No one would ever claim that marriage is easy, okay? as described by this meme that I, I found. Behind every angry woman stands a man who has absolutely no idea what he did wrong. All right, that that is that is the world that many of us live. In. I mean, think about it. Marriage is you take one sinner and you put them together with another sinner and you combine them for the rest of their lives. And then they have little sinnerlings, which adds to the whole, you know, mix there. And there's no, there's no, what you need to hear, there is no such thing as a perfect marriage. 
Okay. For some of you, that's, that's good news because you're like, all right, we, we, we fit that, that category. But for all of us, we can have, we can have a, a better marriage. When I struggle, I've been married 34 years. When I struggle in my marriage, here's what I do. I just blame, not my wife, I blame Adam and Eve because that's where it all started. I mean, think about it. Sin entered the world through that primary relationship. When God said in Genesis, it's not good for man to be alone, then he creates Eve. And Adam wakes up from his sleep, sees a naked woman, and he says, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Sounds like a pretty boring response when you've just woken up to nudity. Okay, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I just, I, something is lost in the Hebrew translation to, to English. I, I, I just can't imagine Adam waking up and going, oh, good. Someone to help me name the animals. I hope she has a good personality. You know, there, I mean, gentlemen, can you even imagine this scene? Well, I know, guys, you can't imagine the scene. That's what gets us into trouble. Okay, ladies, uh, you don't know this, but most guys think that this is what Eve looks like. They think that Eve, Eve is this, okay? Okay, minus, minus the belly button. Uh, but gentlemen, I just need to let you know that based on um, archaeology discoveries and bone structure of the time, it's a good chance Eve looks something like this. All right, so I just want to just let you know, okay, <laughs> that he wakes up from his sleep and, and sees that she's naked. Maybe that's where the phrase, praise God, came from. We don't know. Okay, that's where it could have come from. Like, praise God. Wrap her up. I'll take her. Actually, don't wrap her up. I'll take her just like that. And then in Genesis, it says this. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. And they become one flesh. That's what we're talking about today. Two becoming one. And it's super, super complicated. Now, why talk about it? Because... If we don't talk, well, here's what happens when a marriage goes bad. Everything in that person's life begins to unravel and disintegrate. I mean, think about it in your own life. It affects your spiritual life. That if you are struggling in your marriage, you don't wake up in the morning like, oh, I can't wait to spend time with Jesus. No, it affects you spiritually. It affects your, your, your parenting. Little Billy's mom can't teach little Billy about grace if she's not showing grace to little Billy's dad. And it's impossible for Tina's dad to, sh- to teach their daughter about forgiveness when he's holding a grudge on little Tina's mom. See, at its core, why spend a week at Jacob's Well talking about marriage? Because at its core, this is a discipleship issue. That when, statistics prove this, that when marriages are better, churches are healthier. When marriages are better, people are more generous with their time and and, and their finances. And they actually, when marriages are better, people love deeper at at all levels. But when the primary male-female relationship isn't working, it affects all the other domains in, in your life. So, you know, whether you are single or divorced or widowed, this, this message is for you. And I know those of you who are singles, you're, you're kind of like, oh, this is the weekend to come? Okay, I mean, it was freezing. By the way, I'm from Southern California. And I don't know how you people live here. 
Okay, to be honest with you, because I, I talked to Paul a couple weeks ago on the phone. He says, oh, it's been quite pleasant. And uh, minus degrees is not pleasant to me. Like, I, I, by the time I actually got to the church this morning, my car had warmed up. I don't get that, okay? My fingers are still freezing. This is a, a painful place to live. Uh, you, are, you are godly people just to live here, all right? Uh, <laughs> but if you're single, you're thinking, you know, why did I, I come? You'd rather be at Chuck E. Cheese with a gaggle of five-year-olds hopped up on crack than to, you know, sit here in a message where we talk about marriage. But singles, here's what I want to say to you. Don't check out. Don't check out because statistics are high that you'll get married. About 90% of people do. In today's culture, marriage is, is the norm. Now, if you're married, don't check out because this message is for, for uh, you. That In our culture, divorce is the norm. Where I live in Southern California, in our county, 71% get a divorce. 71%. Now, we all know, let's be honest, we all know sin starts in California and makes its way out here. So some of you are like, oh, I'm not surprised by that statistic. But as we talk about marriage and it's complicated, what I want you to do, uh, do today is I want to walk through, I think what the Bible teaches are three priorities of marriage that you and I can walk out of here today, whether we're single or married, and we can walk out of here lifting up these, these values. And I got to tell you, they're not values of mine. I've stole them. Okay? I stole them right from the Bible. Okay? And the first is this, is that marriage needs to be honored by all. Marriage needs to be honored by all. Now Paul taught you a couple weeks ago when he was talking about honoring your mother and father that the word honor means to restore dignity. Okay? So what we're talking about here is this idea of marriage needs to be honored by all is that every one of us can begin to talk highly about marriage. Because there are so many negative messages about marriage that permeate our culture. Where I teach in, uh, at a church in Southern California, we have a little kind of wannabe coffee shop at our church. It, it's not like a real one, but people come to it from our area and it's kind of a coffee shop. And I was sitting out there and I had my headphones on and my Bible open. I was working on a message and there was three ladies from our church sitting in this table behind me. And as soon as they sat down, I waved to them, but I had my, you know, my ear things in and they thought I was listening to music. And when they started talking, I turned the music down so I could eavesdrop. Okay. Because... <laughs> Uh, that's what pastors do. We're always looking for illustrations. So, um, but I'm listening to these ladies at our church talk about marriage, and they were not talking highly of their husbands. And one lady says, oh yeah, your husband, he will never change. And I'm not a violent person, but I was just like feeling it right there. Like I wanted to just stand on their table and slap all of it. I didn't. I just wanted to. Okay? Because what I, what I wanted to say to them is that if you are a follower of Jesus, that you cannot believe that. We actually believe that Jesus died and rose again and he breathes new life into dead people. So we actually believe that an idiotic, selfish husband can be transformed by the power of Jesus, right? We actually believe that a nagging wife, a constant drip of a nagging wife, like you ladies over here, like, like that you can actually be transformed. But we've got, to, we've got to stop talking about marriage the way that we do. Marriage needs to be honored by all. 
In the book of Hebrews, in the New Testament, the author spends 12 chapters, and then in chapter 13, there is, it's the concluding chapter. And I want you to see what he says in the, in the conclusion. So he's like, said everything, written everything, and then says basically the biggies. Keep loving each other. Don't forget to show hospitality. Remember those who are in prison. Remember those who are being mistreated. And we get to verse 4, and it says, marriage should be honored by all. See, this is not just my good idea that I bring you. This is what God's word says. So this, this is the context of, of love one another, be hospitable, care for those who are suffering, and marriage should be honored by all. Now, another definition of the word honor is this, that honor means to esteem it as highly valuable. And that's what I'm asking you to do, is I'm asking you to, to lift it up as God's design, to, to promote it as, as valuable and, and beautiful. So honoring means every single person, single, married, young, old, they can esteem marriage as highly valuable. And one of the reasons why is we have a younger generation that doesn't look highly on marriage because of what they've seen and what they've heard. All my kids are in their 20s and and thankfully they're all married. They got married young, maybe because Kathy and I, we, we honored it in how we talked about it and hopefully how we lived it out. But I think, I think single people need to hear that marriage is God's design. When I get the opportunity to talk to single people, I say sex was God's invention. And it's part of, it's part of his design. And when I get to talk to single guys, I say, guys, ask women out, use your voice. Don't text or Facebook or send lame emojis. You know, be you know, be a man and talk to people. I mean, there's a generation I can see in here that's that's older than me. I feel like I'm old, but you know, some of you are a generation older than me, and you remember when a man liked a woman, he would walk up to her, introduce himself, and ask her out. Why? Because he survived World War II. Okay, you know, he, he's, he's not a like he stormed the beach of Normandy. He's like, I can ask her out. Okay, I, I lived in the jungle for two weeks with a rock and a chest hair, and you know, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not afraid of anything. And this younger generation, you know, they they just maybe need to experience some some pain along the way to understand you don't have to be af- you don't have to be afraid. I tease my children that they're part of what I call the the bike helmet generation. Because they don't know life before bike helmets. How many of you rode bikes without helmets? Okay, yeah, the real Americans right here, right? <laughs> so when we fell off our bike, we had minor, minor brain injury. We, but we had to just shake it off or rub some dirt on it, you know, or something like that. But the, the younger generation, and when you, you talk to them, like Paul talked a, a couple weeks ago about something called delayed adolescence. You remember this? And then, do you know that 10 years ago, the average age of marriage in America was 22 years old? Just 10 years ago. Now, it's 28 and a half. And you talk to younger people, and a lot of them go, well, I'm going to wait till I'm, I'm going to wait till I'm an adult. Now, to defend them, in our culture, what, when do you become an adult? It's confusing, and I understand that. Because according to Bear Aspirin, you're an adult after the age of 12, Right? <laughs> And then to get a driver's license, you have to be how old to be an adult? Yeah, 16. And to vote, you have to be what? 18. And then to drink alcohol is 21. And to rent a car, does anybody know? 25. 
How about to buy an adult ticket on Delta Airlines? Two. Okay, two years old. You're an adult. So, so somewhere between the age of two and 25, you're an adult, according to our culture. And then people say, no, I'm an adult when I'm financially independent. Okay, at which point none of us in here are adults, okay? So whether you're married or not, you can talk highly about marriage and, and honor marriage. Now, if you are married, you honor your marriage every single day. You honor your marriage every single day in how you treat one another. I write a lot of books on, on marriage and, and parenting. And I, I brought, they asked me to bring some of my, my books here this weekend. And you'll see if you go to the table that, uh, you know, I have one book called Seven Ways to Be Her Hero, The One Your Wife Has Been Waiting For. And it's written to men. I wanted to call it guys, how to get all the sex you want. Uh, but the publishers said, no, don't do that because women buy books for their husbands to read. And so they won't buy those books. But it's seven ways. And then I have another one called Your First Few Years, Eight Ways to Strengthen Your I Do's. Because guys like lists. Like, like just, just, you know, just tell me what to do. You know, like one, two, three, I got it, you know, I got it. But can I tell you that none of those, none of those ways includes making more money or going on fancier vacations because honoring your spouse is is not about the big things honoring one another is is about the little things it's about the little things that you do every single day whether you're being kind or or affectionate or patient or warm gentlemen let me help you win let me just show you because I'd, I'd rather than tell you let me show you just some you, you want to know how to turn on your wife here you go. Let me just show you. I found someone to take my tea time again this weekend so I can spend more time with you and the baby. Boom. There it is. Okay. There's one. Uh, you know, you look stressed. Let me make you some tea so we can talk about it. Chamomile. Okay. Okay. Th- this is very, very sexy for ladies. Um, have another piece of cake. I don't like you looking so thin. All right. All right. Oh, look, the NFL playoffs are today. I bet we'll have no trouble parking at the crafts fair. All right? There it is. That's what it means. That's what it means to honor your, your spouse. See, friends, honor, honor shows up in the small acts every day. I, I do a lot of research on on marriage about what works and and what doesn't so I can communicate it to to the masses and I was I was recently reading this article it's an academic article it's not like normal people read this just dorks like me but it's an it's an article in academic journal on human relationships and the research comes out of the University of Georgia and here's what it says after interviewing married individuals on relationship satisfaction Covering everything from communication habits to finances, they found that the, quote, most consistent, significant predictor of happy marriages was whether one's spouse expressed gratitude. So of all the research, the most significant, consistent predictor of a happy marriage was whether one expressed gratitude. Quote, what distinguishes the marriages that last from those that don't last is not how often they argue, 
but how they treat each other on a daily basis. The study goes to show the power of something as simple as the words, thank you, and suggests it as a small practical ways couples can help strengthen their marriage. See, if you're married, you honor one another every single day. And it's interesting to me that social science and secular research is now just catching up with what the Bible has taught for thousands of years. By honoring one, one another. Marriage must be honored by all. Okay? That's the first point I want you to get. Marriage must be honored by all. The second is this. Marriage must be enjoyed. Marriage needs to be enjoyed. Now, if you've read a marriage book, especially from a Christian author in the last five years, there's a new kind of, kind of terminology coming out that says this, that marriage is about sanctification. Sanctification is just the fancy word for becoming more like Jesus. So really, they're saying that, you know, marriage isn't really about your happiness. Marriage is more about your holiness. And I don't, I don't, prescribe to that theory. I actually think you can have both. Yes, I'm a deeper, more committed follower of Jesus because I've been married to Kathy for 30, 35 years and, and she has made me more like Jesus because you know that's just who she is and it has helped me in my spiritual growth. But I also believe that you can be holy and you can be happy. That God has given you a partner not to, not to beat you down and drain the life out of you so you look more like Jesus. Uh, I I think you can you can have both. As a matter of fact, that's what the scriptures say. The book of Ecclesiastes is a book where um, one of the themes is that life goes by very, very fast. And the, the theme of Ecclesiastes is how to avoid a meaningless life. Because if if you're dead, you're missing out on the opportunity to, to live that life. So in Ecclesiastes 9, it says, Go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for it is now that God favors what you do. Read these five words with me. Enjoy life with your wife. Let's try that again out loud. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. <laughs> it seems a little depressing because we, this word meaningless. This word translated from Hebrew is the word fleeting. Fleeting, like F-L-E-E-T-I-N-G. Like, boom, life goes by fast. So enjoy life with your wife because life goes by fast. So men, you don't have to choose between a wife and and a life. You can have both at the same time. You can enjoy life with your wife. Ladies, you can enjoy life with, with your husband. God has given you a spouse, not to grind you down, but to go through the grind of life with. I'll admit, I, I love being married. Um, my wife is actually here with me this weekend. Normally when we talk about speaking engagements, if it's like Hawaii, she's like, I'll go. Uh, and how she came to Wisconsin, I don't know. It was only an act of mercy on her part because that's not usually like, where, where are they inviting you? Wisconsin. You know what? I think I'm busy that weekend. I know, like, babe, but it's like a year. It's next January. No, I think I'll be busy. No, but she, she and, I, and I brought a picture of, of Kathy because um, I actually, this picture shows you that I am the president of an organization called Married Out of Your League. Okay, I don't deserve, I mean, like I'm the poster child for liver spots and receding hairline. And, uh, but by the way, gentlemen, how many of you could be a part of my club, Married Out of My League? Let me see, okay? 
Yeah. Some of you guys should have raised your hand, and you did. You, like, like I'm sure that in the theater everybody was raising their hand, but I was watching some of you. Like, married out of my league? I don't know, Doug. That's vague. I mean, I think we're both about a seven. Uh, you know, no. Dummy, that was an opportunity for you to win, okay? You just, you were stupid there, okay? Gosh, I was trying to help you. But I'd rather, I'd rather be with Kathy than anybody in the whole world. And, and, and Kathy is gracious enough to say that, that I'm in her top seven. So, which is, which is great. But uh, how do you enjoy your marriage? I'll tell you that I think the quickest way to enjoy your marriage is to, is to date one another. I know that sounds weird, but the quickest way to enjoy your marriage is to do what you did before you got married. I mean, isn't it interesting that before we get married, we do all these crazy things like we chase one another and we pursue one another and we flirt with one another and we court one another. And then all of a sudden, in all of this fun stuff that we did, we, we step across this line called marriage and then we stop doing all that stuff that, that got us there. We stop, we stop dating and chasing and pursuing and, and courting. And the fastest way to enjoy your marriage is to, is to date one another. And I don't think couples get this because what's the new normal? You go to any restaurant and you see couples sitting there knee to knee and they're not eye to eye anymore. They're both down on their phone. It's like they're enduring having to be, you know, listening to one another, you know, chew. And here's the problem in, in a lot of marriages is they go from, from romance to routine. Marriage is like it's, you just got into a routine. And if you're not careful, it then becomes a rut. And some have described a rut as basically, a, you know, a coffin with the legs kicked out of it, the ends kicked out of it. You're in a rut, and then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you've become, you've become a roommate. I just think most married couples don't understand the power of dating. Thankfully, Kathy and I, years ago, before we got married, we went to premarital counselor and the premarital counselor gave us, he gave us a lot of advice, but I only remember two pieces 30 plus years later. One, you'll understand why I remember it, because I was like, you know, 21-year-old young man. And he said, Doug, you need to understand that sex starts in the morning. I was like, awesome. Like, that is... That is great. I mean, it's kind of what I thought would happen. Like morning, then afternoon, then once again in the evening. This, I mean, I am going to love marriage. And then he went on to explain, no, it starts in the morning and how you treat one another. And he described emotional foreplay. And I was like, "Ah, that doesn't sound as fun. Uh, But I do remember him saying that. And then the other thing that he said is, you need to continue to date because that's what got you here. And he challenged us to have a, a weekly date night. And Kathy and I have missed some weeks, but I'd say most, most years we hit about 45 out of the 52, and we've made that a priority, and because that is the quickest way to, to in, enjoy one another. Now, 35 years ago, when he told us that, that was a hunch. It was an intuition on his part, kind of a best practices, but now what he said is actually backed up by empirical evidence like hardcore research that, that has been happening in all over our country on these things that are called the date night projects. 
that people are discovering. This, this is research that comes out of the University of Virginia. It says dating leads to increased marital satisfaction. And they give five benefits. Keeps lines of communication open. It allows couples to shatter their routines, get out of a rut. It models commitment to children. Dating relieves stress. And dating rediscovers passion and sparks sexual intimacy. See, without an intentional time together, I believe on a weekly basis, here's what happens. Your marriage begins to drift. Now, all marriages drift at some point. The trick in those that have healthy marriages, what they've learned to do is when it drifts, they do course corrections. And what I'm suggesting that a date is that that weekly course correction. And now there's a lot of excuses not to. I've heard them all like, I don't know what to do. What would we? Here's the secret. Pinterest. Go on Pinterest and just put in dating ideas. Kathy used to think I was a genius of where I came up with all these ideas until she found me on the computer late one night and I was looking at Pinterest and uh, as the source of my dating ideas. There's so many great ideas. Now, watch this. When marriage is enjoyed, that's point two. When marriage is enjoyed, it's so much easier for marriage to be honored. That's point one. Does this make sense? Okay. Now, here's the third thing that I think as we talk about complicated marriage, that marriage needs to be prioritized. Some of you are not going to like what I'm about to say. And that's okay because I'm jumping on a plane in a couple hours and uh, you won't see me again. But the point is this, is that marriage relationship is to be the primary relationship within the home. Okay, let's go back to this verse, Genesis 2, 24. That is why a man, what? Leaves. Leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. United in the word Hebrew is intercourse. There's just a symbolic term for intercourse. That two become one. You are one with your husband. You are one with your wife. You are not one with your child. Your child will eventually leave. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And you paint that picture for them when they're young. You tell them you'll help them move out. Okay, which is, you know, which is a good, good thing. But many of today's homes, oftentimes in Christian families, are living what I call kid-centric homes. And a kid-centric home is where the kid is the center of the tension. The kid, they put the kids above the marriage. And then what happens with that is the kid doesn't want to leave. And we wonder why we have this thing called delayed adolescence, okay? They, they don't want to leave. Now, to prioritize your marriage need, means that you need to put your marriage before your kids. Now, Kathy and I were not always perfect at this. And I believe that there are times and seasons when we became a kid-centric marriage. And honestly, in all confession, we were disobedient to God during those times. We lost sight because you know what? It's a lot easier to invest in your kids than it is to invest in, in your marriage. And I think in the long run, we, we did okay, but there were times when, when this, was, was, this was difficult. But you know they're going to leave. So if you're not building for the future, it's kind of like an IRA or a retirement plan. Some of you, are, you're building for retirement. Why would you not build your marriage into the, the fact that you're going to be together? With the kids gone. I talked to a gentleman yesterday in your church who said to me after last night's service, he says, what you said described our lives. That we had put our whole lives into our kids 
They leave, we look at each other, and we don't even know each other. And their marriage didn't last. Actually, their marriage is a statistic that is changing. In 1990, marriage, uh, divorces over the age of 50 was 1 in 10. Okay? Today, it's 1 in 3.8. There's a new phenomena called the grain, meaning gray hair. The grain of divorce. And it mean, basically, it's all these, these couples that poured everything into their, into their kids and they didn't have anything left when the kids were gone. Kathy and I are in the empty nest season. And I love, I mean, we love being parents, but I love, I love the empty nest season. And when people who aren't empty nesters and you talk about, you know, empty nesting, they don't even get it. They're like, so like, what do you do? Like run around naked all the time? I mean, that's asked everywhere I go. Okay. Which I think is a weird question that that's a universal question. Uh, but it's not like, yeah, that's exactly what we've been dreaming about. You know, unbridled nudity. Um, <laughs> No, okay, no, that's overrated. Uh, but I, I actually tell people, no, I didn't have to wait for my kids to graduate and leave the house to do that. We've been doing that since they were little. That way they don't bring their friends over, okay? <laughs> it's, it's kind of like a strategic deal, all right? Now, you may be laughing, but I know some of you in here, in your heart, you're pushing back. And you're pushing back because your whole world is about your kids, and you're even getting defensive and going, well, maybe we love our kids more than you love yours. First of all, no, you don't. Uh, you can't prove that. And second, <laughs> if you really do love your kids, if you really do love your kids, can I tell you that the best gift you can give them is a healthy marriage? You hear Paul talking about that. I mean, I just heard him speak a couple times and I heard him mention that twice. I mean, you hear that from here all the time. The best gift you can give your kids is a healthy marriage. And friends, if you're a follower of Jesus, too much hangs in the balance. Too much hangs in the balance that your kids are watching your marriage. The journal for the scientific study of religion says this. Children of divorced Christian parents are more than twice as likely to leave the church. That's an alarming statistic that 60% of children of divorce walk away from the faith. Why? I don't know if I know the answer, but here's my, my hunch. Is that mom and dad promoted God's love as they were growing up, but God's love wasn't strong enough to bring the two most important people in their life together or keep them together. And the hypocrisy for that child was too great and doesn't want anything to do with it. The Washington Post has a, a headline last year that I read called How Decades of Divorce Have Eroded the Faith. So why do we talk about marriage at Jacob's Well? Because it's complicated. And also because it's a discipleship, it's a discipleship issue. And we care deeply about the next generation. And we don't want them to walk away from the ways of Jesus. And they're more likely to stay in their faith and stay in the church if they see mom and dad having a vibrant, growing faith. So what am I asking you to do? What I love about your church is, is Paul is so practical in his teaching. So I don't want you just walking out of here with my three points. It's like, what do you really want you to do? I want you to do all of these things. I want you to honor marriage. I want you to enjoy marriage. And I want you to prioritize marriage. That's what I want you to do. If you're single, I want you to make those your values. For those of you that have been married for a few years, what I want you to do is I want you to join the marriage mentors here at this church. 
You sign up at the, at the connection center in the lobby. And basically, you don't have to have a perfect marriage to be a marriage mentor. You just have to be willing to meet with some couples every once in a while to share some of the things that, that you've learned. Because even though this is a world-class church with a world-class staff, they don't have the capacity to meet everybody's needs. But do you know that there's some pain sitting in your rows and you have the answer, you have the help, you have the hope to some of that, that pain. So I want, you to, I want you to honor marriage. If you're married, I want you to express gratitude on a daily basis. You need to figure out what that looks like. But you express gratitude to your spouse on a daily basis. You esteem her as highly valuable. You esteem his, him as highly valuable. That's, that's biblical. And then I want you to enjoy one another. I want you to date weekly. Okay, get prepared to raise your hand on this, okay? Some of you blew it the last time on this, okay? You were, you're still thinking about Eve. I need to bring you back a little bit, okay? Get ready to raise your hand. How many of you think that your marriage is worth 1% of your time? Absolutely. One, one, just 1%, Doug? Yeah. Think about this. We have 1,440 minutes a day times seven days a week, times 1%, that's an hour and 40 minutes. I'm asking you, as a couple, to spend an hour and 40 minutes together every week. Not talking about bills or finances or kids, but you just enjoying one another. Whether that's a date night, a date morning, a date at home, but it's you making a priority to say, we're going to invest 1% of our time to enjoy one another. And then you prioritize marriage by, by stopping the kid-centric home and reigniting your, your passion to date one another no matter how many years you, you've been dating. Some of you just need a new starting point and this weekend is that new starting point that this becomes the trigger for the conversation that says, yeah, let's go back to what we, we used to do. We can do 1% of our time. And some of you are like, well, what are we going to do with the kids? Two words, duct tape. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's not true. But um, here, here's what you need to know. That when you leave the house to go on a date, they're going to get over it. And they're going to grow up in an environment where they go, oh, mom and dad value marriage. And it's going to make them more secure in who they are, knowing their parents are valuing their marriage and working to keep, to keep it together. It's one of the greatest gifts that you can, you can give your, your children. I'm convinced, and this is the reason I stepped on a plane to to come out here. I'm convinced that the power and the presence of Jesus can change your life and can renew your marriage. I believe the power and the presence of Jesus can, can restore what was dead and bring joy to, to the sorrow. I believe that Jesus can change your marriage and wants to sin entered the world through the first relationship And Jesus can enter your life and change it like he has mine and like the testimonies of so many around here. So we honor marriage, we enjoy marriage, and we prioritize marriage. Are you tracking with me? All right, let's pray together. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for the creation of marriage. We want to be people who esteem this relational gift as highly valuable. You created it and we want to be a church of people who cheer others on in their marriage and we want to do it loud and we want to do it often. And may we feel today and understand and see and believe in a very special future for our marriage. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.